This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Total Saints Podcast. We're the weekly podcast that takes a look at all the goings-on in and around Southampton Football Club. Now, for those eagle-eyed viewers or owl-eared listeners, you'll notice I'm not Martin Stark. That is indeed a fact. Nope, I'm Ben Stanfield, and with Martin off this week, I've been tasked with trying to keep this saintly extravaganza of a show on the road. If you're watching on our live Facebook or YouTube channels, you have the opportunity to drop comments through during the podcast, and with a bit of luck and a following wind, hopefully I'll work out how to see them and share accordingly. So please do get involved and I promise I'll do my best. Now, it's a couple of weeks since the podcast was last on air. Since then, Saints have battled through in the FA Cup, secured a Premier League Sustainability Champions League spot and also shown about as much interest in deadline day as Pompey have in securing promotion from League One. Absolutely zero. Thankfully, despite Martin's absence, the core foundations of this podcast once again remain fully intact as we have with us Glenda LaCour, writer of League One Minus 10 blog, Steve Grant, the owner of Saints Web, and Dan Sheldon, the Athletics dedicated Saints correspondent. Evening, gents. Evening. Evening. Good evening. Dan, you always go last in this bit, so I'm going to go off piece straight away and uh, ask you first for a change. Um, how have the last couple of weeks been? And as I mentioned uh, in the intro there, quite a quiet deadline day for Saints in the end. It, it was a quiet deadline day but for Saints, but I was quite busy. I was up in the office on Monday. There was quite a big team of us just ringing around people we know, various agents, and trying to get other, other stuff kind of done and... I, I know people close to kind of Delhi Alley, so that was a, an interesting one to be part of. And then kind of went down a rabbit hole with the, the Discovery BT Sport zone broadcast thing. So, yeah, it's, it's been a really good week. It mixes up quite a bit and it was nice to take the mind off Southampton for, for a few days. And Glenn, I was working out, it's 14 days since the last podcast. I mean, you're notorious for having not done anything. I mean, 14 days, you must have done loads. No, no. I think this, <laughs> this, this section of the podcast is just... Uh, it's just a way for me to realise how tedious and boring my life is. <laughs> but uh, no, I've done a couple of things, actually. One 40th birthday celebration I went to and one 50th birthday celebration I went to. That's 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 how I roll. That's about as exciting as it gets. So, uh, yeah, so not not a total write-off these 14 days, but I'm, I'm just happy if I get through a week with nothing going wrong, to be honest. 
Um, and Steve, you're still out on the, the um, sort of Dubai sun you were mentioning, so a couple more weeks to go out there. So you're making the most of that? Yeah, um, the weather's finally sorted itself out after slightly iffy January, but that's no, been good. And I went went and saw Southampton's own Richard Bland uh, doing his stuff at the um, Dubai Desert, Desert Classic last weekend. So that was that was good fun. He did 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 pretty well, a lot better than I think most most people were expecting to uh, get to a playoff. But uh, no, it was, uh, that was that was that was a good week. But otherwise, yeah, busy with work. I seem to have done done a lot more work than um, than Leicester City's defence over the last two weeks. That's for sure. <laughs> no, good stuff. And uh, evening to you've almost, you've almost been doing as much work as Ben's beard routine. Clearly, he's putting a lot of oil in that. Well, <laughs> I know Mark Atkins. What have, you, what have you been up to apart from growing Mark, a beard, Ben? Mark Atkins always goes on about the fact that I can't grow a moustache, but there we go. But yeah, good uh, good evening to Ed, to Sarah, to Mark, and to Dave over in the USA. So thanks very much for joining us. Um, coming up on this podcast episode, we'll reflect on that extra time win versus Coventry City in the FA Cup fourth round. We'll also look ahead to the upcoming double match week for Saints as they visit Tottenham on Wednesday evening before heading up to Old Trafford next Saturday. I'm sure Dan can't wait for all the Ralph versus Ralph chat that we're going to have this week, and we'll come on to that later. If that isn't enough, the four of us will briefly reflect on the transfer window slamming shut and the club's sustainability progress. So buckle yourselves in, underpinned by our wonderful global patrons. This is Total Saints Podcast, episode 185. This is the Total Saints Podcast with Martin Stark, Steve Grant, Glenn Delacour and the Athletics' Dan Sheldon. Saints made it through to the fifth round of the FA Cup for the tenth time in the last 23 seasons, overcoming an excellent Coventry City side at St Mary's. The game eventually finishing 2-1 after extra time. Dan, before we get into some of the key moments of the match, I think the phrase I saw you use after the match was uh, scraping through. Um, what did you make of it overall? I thought they made much harder work of it than they needed to. I think Coventry turned up and yeah, you know, when I got into Southampton, I, I, the road I normally turned down was blocked off and it was just like there's tons of coaches down there. There's a stream of Coventry fans walking through and I thought this is actually really cool, cool to see. Um, you don't normally see that in Premier League days. But the performance was... I mean, it was just a boring game. I mean, let's be honest, it was a terrible game. It was a terrible watch. It was painful to watch. Southampton were miles off it. The last 30 minutes were were okay. I mean, the, the extra time was was okay. Good bit of drama at the end with VAR, but no, it wasn't even VAR, was it? No, the flag just went up. Yeah, no, rubbish. This rubbish game. Let's move on. Yeah, it, was, it was miles off, wasn't it? I don't yeah. VAR even needed to have a look at that. No. And, and Glenn, your thoughts on the performance? I think it was about half five. I just got a WhatsApp message that just had a load of Zs on it. So much the same. Yeah, it was it was dreadful. I, I was I was really disappointed when we got to ninety minutes. That I was going to have to sit through another half an hour of it. To be honest, it it was <laughs> awful. The first half in particular. I mean, in my opinion, we made too many changes. I think if you if you kind of keep the spine of the team, you can kind of mix and match around that. But in, first half in particular, there was no intensity going forward. There was certainly no intensity with the defending. And at half time, I thought Coventry are going to actually be quite disappointed. They're only one nil up because they, they certainly had chances second half, uh, first half rather. In the second half, I think Coventry seemed to settle very early for, you know, just playing the game out. And it, it you know, it took a real bolt from the blue goal, obviously from from Armstrong to uh, to sort of get us to extra time. And, and and Coventry again seemed to settle for penalties. And once they went behind, they th- they threw something at it again and, th- and they created chances again. So I, I think whilst they'll hide behind, well, Saints are in a higher league and we weren't expected to win. I think... When, if they look at it critically, they'll probably say that given the side that Saints had out, 
if Coventry had believed in themselves a little bit more, I think they uh, they could well have beaten us. Steve, Ed's uh, asked here, in all seriousness, I'd be interested to know what the boys thought about the awful team selection yesterday, which cost us uh, a long unwanted run out in a very busy week of games. Just before I come to that, I was speaking to a couple of Sky Blues fans during the week and said that you know during his time with the club, Ralph hadn't really thrown in the towel with team selections in any cup competition. And uh, I know he didn't necessarily throw the, the towel in yesterday, but 10 changes was probably more than I was expecting. Um, what did you kind of make of the lineup and a bit like Ed's question, you know, I suppose having made those changes at half time, it kind of said a lot. Yeah, I think um, I was probably expecting sort of maybe five, five or six from from the City game. Although, I mean, ultimately from from a game two weeks ago, you're you're kind of almost starting from a from a blank canvas, aren't you? But yeah, we we just looked disjointed from from the start. But at the end of the day, Ralph has picked a picked a starting eleven that he thinks is good enough to go and beat Coventry City. And if you if you went if you look down that that team sheet i mean i think i think to be honest i don't think anybody else would have anybody would have argued with that if 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 they'd gone out and done and done the business in that first half and and got ourselves uh, got ourselves at least um i don't know well level or or a goal goal to the good at half time you say well he's he's got this got this team selection absolutely spot on because we've we've rested all our all our key players for the um for the two uh, big league games com- coming up later in the week obviously it's not not transpired that way and, and that happens and you you kind of learn from learn from those situations and I think he'll I mean certainly ne- next round West Ham will will more or less be obliged to go full strength you would think but I think in in future in in these sort of situations you're you're going back to this to the the plan of maybe only doing five or six but it's but it's one of it's it's a frustrating quirk of the way the fixtures have run this season whereby we've had this seemingly pointless two-week break because there's only there's only a handful of players who have been away on international duty across the entire Premier League whilst obviously teams are still playing catch-up from these from those COVID postponements and now we're shoehorning three games into the space of um space of eight days um so it's a little bit a little bit frustrating in in that regard that that everything's kind of squeezed together again um seemingly fairly unnecessarily I think I don't think there'd been any issue if if we'd have fitted in fitted in league games last week but yeah, it's. I mean, at the end of the day, we got away with it. Um, we had to, we obviously had to make some changes, but then we would have made we would have made changes through the game. We'd, I'm sure we'd have used all five subs, um, having been given the opportunity. I think we'd we'd have done so regardless of how how the game had gone, even if we'd not made not made all all the changes that we did. So I think I think the only, the only frustration will have been combination of fringe players didn't really show themselves show themselves anything to be worthy of. Uh, knocking on the door and saying, "Why am I not playing quite, uh, playing as much as I think I should?" And also the fact that we then had to call for the cavalry um, a lot earlier than than we might have than we might have liked, I guess, because um, yeah. it was it was obvious at half time that it just wasn't working, and it's like, right, okay, no, we've got to, got to, got to do something here. I thought I thought it was a little bit harsh on Thierry Small. I thought because I thought on the rare occasions he got on the ball. Um, he looked quite dangerous. There was one run that he he went on where he uh, got past the fullback and put a really good cross in. He thought, well, okay, well, why have we not been giving him the ball? Problem was that Diallo quite off. Uh, Diallo didn't seem to trust him, I think. And there were there were a few occasions where he where he had the ball to feet and he had the easy easy ball to small in a wide position. And basically every time he'd he'd 
decide that he was going to turn turn back inside or um or go back to go back to Jack Stevens, which was which was frustrating. And I mean Diallo was was probably one of one of the players who you think has kind of got a got a shout to be getting in the team at some point in the next six six to twelve months as a as a regular starter. And yeah, he he, he didn't have a good game yesterday, I didn't think. No. Yeah, Glenn. I was going to pick up on Thierry Small. Um, as Steve mentioned mm. there, you know, made his debut finally at left back. I, I know he was set to play. I think Dan said before at Swansea, but obviously had COVID. And look, he's just 17 years old. He was one of the players that was withdrawn by Ralph at half time. How did you think he did? And I suppose from that first half yesterday, is it now about him learning from that experience and working with the coaches to sort of get ready for the next time? Yeah, I mean, it was interesting. Ralph Ralph made a comment about him saying that defensively he wasn't quite on it. And you could see that there was there was one chance Coventry had in the first half where a guy picked up the ball on the halfway line over on small side and he kind of just ran diagonally towards the goal. And Thierry Small just kind of kind of jogged alongside him, along with Diallo. And eventually he got to the edge of the box, had a shot. There didn't seem to be that awareness of you need to get into him now. But I, I agree with what Steve said totally about, you know, he's he's the strength of his game is obviously going forward and they didn't give him the ball and and that that I found really frustrating and I know that um, I listened to a bit of the the commentary that went out on Solent I know Dave Merrington was getting very frustrated with Diallo continually turning inside he just did it time and time and time again it's one of those things when you notice it you you, you keep noticing it and you you, you sort of can't unsee it so uh, but you know I mean, I think he was trying, I think he thought in his head he was going to chest that one back to the goalkeeper. But when he bulleted the header at him, I was directly in front of where I was sat. It was like, man, what was that? So uh, I just thought it was funny because you got like a 40-year-old bailing out a 17-year-old there, big time, obviously, old enough to be his dad, Caballero. But uh, so, you know, he was okay. He showed some promise going forward, but there, there's, there's lots of work to do and we've got to remember that not every youngster, regardless of where we get them from, is going to be like a ready-made Premier League level player like Livramento is. So he did okay. He, he he wasn't dreadful, but he's obviously got a bit to learn. I know Mike uh, Byers here said Small's defending wasn't good, um, but uh, yeah, hopefully you can pick up on that. Now, it's not happened much since we started TSP in 2017, Dan, but I thought we could bring a little bit of culture to the podcast. So here we go. Um, Mona Lisa by Leonardo da Vinci, circa 1505, the Sistine Chapel, Ceiling by Michelangelo, circa 1510. The Starry Night by Vincent van Gogh, 1889. Just for Steve, Where the Heck Has That Come From? by Wayne Thomas in 2010. The 35-yard Thunderbolt by James Ward Prowse, January 2022. And finally, oh my word, pick that one out by Stuart Armstrong, February 2022. I think you'll agree, another addition to an already world-class collection of artwork there. What a goal. It was stunning, wasn't it? It was... I was it with I was in a box with someone and the minute it left his boot they said that's in and it was just such a pure mm. pure pure they're my favorite goals just a pure the it's just a you can go on a park and every like one in a hundred you might get one of those where you just hit it so pure and the ball just flies through the end there was an angle the club released from behind uh, when Stuart hit it from behind and it was you could just watch it over and over and over again because it was that good like this the, the movement on the ball into the top corner it was yeah, I think for a, for a player, a lot of supporters like, and I particularly like Stuart Armstrong as well. I think it was just a good moment. We've not really seen enough of him this season because of the, the injuries and the setbacks and whatever, but it was just kind of a nice reminder of he is a quality act. And whenever I think of Stuart Armstrong, I just think of like seven million quid. Like that's, it, it is a tremendous piece of business in my opinion. Um, you know, he's one of their better signings in recent years for me. And that goal was just, 
yeah, even now it kind of makes me smile because it was that good. It was that good. It's one that I don't think you'll see a better one at St. Mary's this season. Two and a half Guido Carrillo would cost two and a half Stuart Armstrongs, wouldn't he? So, yeah, I bet you scored a few of those down over your time, haven't you? But uh, no, it was a, a fantastic goal. And uh, Carl Walker-Peters obviously popped up with the winner, Steve. Um, I think he'd scored one career goal before the Man City game. He's now got two and two. Prolific. Yeah, the proper London bus syndrome, isn't it? It's, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, helped with a significant deflection on this one, but... At the end of the day, no one else was uh, getting into positions to take shots, were they? Um, I thought Coventry actually set themselves up, particularly second half, they set themselves up defensively really well. And basically, they, they'd done their... Mark Robinson clearly done his homework and um, worked out the the angles and the and the passing lanes that we like to go through. In a similar way to, to the, the kind of job that we've done on Man City twice this season, in that um, they realised they were up against the better side and found the, found the, the ways that they were going to be able to stop stop them doing what they wanted to do and yeah I mean it was it was basically a a ping from ping from distance that no keeper in the world's going to save and one where we finally managed to work a little bit of little bit of space in in their penalty area and we've got a little bit of luck with the deflection beyond that I mean I don't think I don't think their keepers really had a save to make all afternoon it's surprising with Long and Walker up front <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, you know, was, you know, and Adam Armstrong out of form, and then then we brought Redmond on, so it's a real surprise that that front four didn't didn't test out <laughs> Coventry more than they did. But, Spiky, strange, strange, <laughs> and, and and we love a big Willie innuendo, Steve. I saw you even tweeted it. Yeah, I mean, you know, a big shout out to him because, as Glenn mentioned earlier. You, you know, Coventry obviously came on a bit after they gone behind, and uh, a couple of massive saves from here at the end uh, that deserve a, a mention. Yeah, and and I mean that that. The last what two minutes of extra time was absolute carnage. Um, where I mean they had so I think Valerie had the under hit back pass where where their guy's gone through and hit it straight at straight at Caballero and then uh, and then you got the cross where Waghorn's headed it wide when it seemed easier to score although I suspect he may have been offside as well. Yeah. And then and then of course you then got the three saves well two saves in what in in the one movement. Um, which then results in the shot which Waghorn taps in from about a yard out when he's five yards offside. So yeah, it was yeah, just an absolute mess in that those last couple of minutes. And quite amusing looking back at the uh, the footage actually from from the TV coverage where the linesman eventually puts his flag up about a minute later after the absolute limbs in the away end when they and think a flare they... as well, I think, which is always good. And then all of a sudden the flag goes up and um, you get the celebrating from all the fans stood behind the linesman as well, which was um, <laughs> uh, very, very amusing. But yeah, I mean, Caballero did, did what he had to do. He um, came, stood up big when he needed to, took crosses, looked, looked perfectly comfortable. Couldn't do anything about the goal. I must say their, their goal was really well worked. I thought, um, yeah, lovely little, lovely little nice. one, 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 two that created how we managed to create that much space. I'm not quite sure, but no, that was that was nice. That was nicely done. Yeah. Um, our def- our defenders were our defenders were just standing off horribly in that first half, and in the second half they tried to get tighter. And, and what happened then? It was that whenever Coventry attacked, they they kind of got spun. They 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 mm. didn't seem to get the. That was one of the things that I thought. You know, we go back to the question about the team selections. When when we have Salasu and Bednarek, there's a lot of front foot defending, and they're right behind the strikers. And yeah, there's a few fouls and a few yellow cards, but they're right. You know, they're right in the strikers' faces. Whereas I thought that was m- most of our problem yesterday was that our mm. defenders were standing so far off, and especially on that goal, it, it's just it's just horrible. Everyone's just standing and watching. As uh, Nick Kingston said here, I can't recall many of the games apart from the semi-final or final in 1976. Get through is enough. So. I think we'd probably all agree with that, Nick. Um, just final question then, Glenn. The draw was done earlier today 
for that mm. fifth round. We've played uh, West Ham twice already this season, of course, drawing at home and uh, beating them away 3-2 at their place. I, I suppose we were talking about it just before we came on air. Quite fortuitously got through against Kidderminster yesterday. But what's your general view on the draw for Saints' point of view? Um, it's not a great draw, to be honest, because they're a side that we... I know we beat them last time at the London Stadium, but we haven't beat them at home for a while. I guess the good thing is, is that we know them. There won't be any surprises. Ralph seemed to have it fairly well set up to combat Antonio last time because um, mm. he always causes us the most problems. So it's it's a home draw. We're good at home this season. So there's they won't think that's a good draw for them either. Just like to, as we're all into conspiracy theories these days, I see the big clubs have all been kept apart yet again. Um, yeah, we're the, we're the only all Premier League tie, aren't we? I think. Yeah. Yeah. At least we'll probably, be on TV then. Probably not. <laughs> as long as I don't move it to a Friday, I don't mind. But, it's, uh, it's midweek, isn't it? It's a midweek round. Oh, right, oh is yeah. it? Yeah, yeah so it's... Um, 28th, isn't it, I think? Yeah. Yeah, uh, so it'll be first either the first or the second. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, a, you know, in, in terms of us progressing to the net, to the to the sixth, sixth round, it's it's not the best draw we could have had, but it, it's not the worst either. You know, it's not, it's not Chelsea away or something like that. So, yeah. Bring it on! It'll be a, it'll be a tough game, and and the atmosphere will be good because West Ham will bring five thousand down as well, and mm. they they are quite a lively bunch. Um, oh God, when God my, tra- my train down will be horrendous. Yeah, when they're in, uh, Jesus. oh, it's almost worth it just for that, Steve. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so that that'll be that'll be lively, and the atmosphere will be uh, will be quite quite a good one evening game with all those West Ham fans there that should be that should be something to look forward to anyway so uh, yeah hopefully we can go in there put a performance in I don't you know I sorry I agree with what Steve said we'll have to put out what is basically a first choice side you know with the, the spine of the team Salisu, Bednarek, Romeo, Ward-Prowse, Brozier or Che, you know, che Adams if we get get all those on the pitch then um, yeah we should be able to give them a decent game I don't think Ralph will be looking to rest players I don't know what league games are a you know a book ending it on the the, uh, the weekends? Norwich, Norwich, Norwich before Villa after, Villa after yeah. but Norwich yeah. is on the Friday, so we'll have an extra couple of extra day or two to prepare for it. Yeah, so I don't I don't see any re- any real reason to um, you know make eleven changes again or whatever. No, good stuff. Well, I know Chris, you mentioned it earlier, and don't worry, we weren't going to brush over it. Um, well, we're talking FA Cup. We must also say well done to the Saints FC women's team for their fantastic win over Bristol City last weekend. 1-0 thanks to Ellen Morris's extra time winner at St Mary's. Marianne Spacey's side now travelled to National League Southern Premier rivals Ipswich Town in the last 16 draw. So good luck to the team for that one. And if that wasn't enough, they've also beaten hashtag United 1-0 earlier today to reach the National League Cup semi-final. So exciting stuff for the women's team, which is great to see. Right, let's move on and chat about the latest transfer window, which closed at the start of last week. I'm not going to dwell on it for ages because the guys obviously did a very good job in the last pod of discussing it. And we know that the uh, square root of you know what happened in the end. Um, Steve, only Saints, Norwich, Manchester United and West Ham failed to make any senior signings during January. In the last pod, it was kind of a hypothetical view from you guys about we're probably all right until the summer. The fact is that hypothetical view is now reality and we do need to be all right until the summer. So is it a risky strategy if other clubs around us have uh, strengthened or do you think given Saints position, you know, we are okay and probably sensible to take that approach? Yeah, we're not going down. It's, yeah, we're fine. I'm absolutely no issue with us not not signing any anybody else in the um, in the window. I mean, you you list those the four the four clubs that haven't um, haven't signed anyone, and actually, I think we're the only ones who are probably quite happy with that situation. <laughs> West Ham desperately needed a striker and didn't get one. Probably need another centre back and didn't get one. Uh, Man United, I mean, God knows what they want, what they need at the moment. Um, what an absolute <laughs> clown car operation they are, um, which is great, isn't it? Um, for all for all of us that 
that have followed followed football through the 90s where they were just utterly dominant it's um the last 10 years have been superb um karma on that but yeah i th- i think we're 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 absolutely fine barring a sort of injury crisis of the magnitude that we had this time last year um which given the given that we don't have the condensed season this season and we're not playing um suicidally uh pressing football i i think we're I think we're okay on. Realistically, there's very little value to be had in January. I mean, you see Newcastle being taken to the cleaners by all and sundry has been uh, predictable and amusing in equal in equal parts. Um, although they've probably now signed enough players that they'll um, they'll probably keep themselves up. But I think, yeah, I think at the end of the day, we we kind of know where we're at. We know what sort of players we're looking at. I mean, the talk that that we were going to be able to make Brozier permanent this window was absolute laughable that was never ever going to be a no. um a, any sort of goer so yeah i mean that's that's a conversation for the summer and yeah i mean i think let the let the new owners get their get their feet under the table it gives them gives them five months now to i mean i'm sure the the plans are already well in place but gives gives them an opportunity to have an input as well um and we'll see what happens come come june but yeah i, I i'm entirely comfortable and um, was not paying the slightest bit of attention on on deadline day because it was just like, well, there's not, there's nothing in it for us. And, and Glenn's kind of um, Steve's kind of touched on it there, Glenn. Um, you know, it's probably natural, isn't it, with the new owners coming in that they would want to work with Ralph and the current management team, look at what we've got, look at where any potential gaps are, and start to think about a sensible summer strategy. Uh, yes, totally agree. I thought there might have been a chance if. Oh, I've forgotten his name. Rasmus Angerson had been following players for Brentford. There may there may have been someone come in from left field, but I don't think we needed it. Last January, we went into that needing fullbacks, and we ended up shipping two out, and that contributed to our disaster at the uh, the tail end of last season. We did a lot of work in the summer, bringing young players in to to pad out the squad, as as we've covered many times. And I just I don't think that we that we really needed to. Um, I was chatting with Steve during the week about clubs that bring in five or six players. It's it's usually because they their plans aren't working. Yeah, they get desperate, don't they? Or in desperate trouble. Because I mean, I know it's it's not Premier League, but I was I was looking at Bournemouth bringing in six or seven players, thinking, why on earth you you you've been in the automatic promotion places all season? It's a hell well, of a, it, I mean, I mean, they brought five in on deadline day. Yeah, it's like yeah. I mean, okay, fair enough. You want you want to bring four or five in across the across the month of January. Okay, fine. Players become available at different times. But to have gone on a massive sort of Dale Winton supermarket sweep dash <laughs> on the final day to bring in all these players, I mean, it'll yeah. be hilarious if they screw it up. Mm. Um, yeah. the, the squad that Bournemouth has, I mean, not, I mean, as I sit here watching, they're losing at home to a team um, fifth in the National League. But um, <laughs> that they are... I mean, that, that squad should, along with Fulham, should be absolutely walking that division. And the fact that a side like Blackburn or QPR or possibly even Forest or Middlesbrough might make a late break for it as well, the fact that they might get pipped by by any one of those teams is a huge indictment on um, on Scott Parker and, and that squad for me. Dan, I was going to ask just briefly: Do you prefer it when deadline day is quiet or when it's busy? I mean, do you do you find yourself sort of working a little bit harder to try and find out if if it is quiet? You know, Saints are doing a few things on the sly, or do you put your feet up and just wait for the phone to ring and effectively have a day off? No, I. I... I don't think so. I think I knew it was going to be quiet going into January. I knew they weren't there weren't kind of any plans to to strengthen the first team because I didn't. I personally didn't think they needed to either. But it's 
probably a bit of a cliche answer, but our, our job is what you make of it. If you want to stick and put your feet up and then, yeah, I could have had the most quiet deadline day going, but you know, deadline day is one of the more exciting days in our job. So you kind of speak to agents and whoever, whoever else you may know to find out what's going on at other clubs to see if you can help out. So it was quiet on Southampton's front, but, but busy on a few others. So no, it was yeah. fine. Yeah, you don't get the white shirt and the yellow tie out, do you? No, definitely not. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. Well, other than young Will Armitage, who joined from Cheltenham, uh, being announced mid last week, I suppose we'll obviously wait and see now what the summer brings. Um, just finally for this bit, then, Steve, it's a subject that's getting more and more coverage these days: sustainability. Um, as I mentioned in the intro last week, Saints were confirmed as sitting joint third in the Premier League sustainability table alongside Manchester City, thanks to a wide variety of initiatives that they now run within the club, including. The Halo Effect, which is obviously their sustainability strategy, 100% renewable energy across the stadium and training ground. They've got the Homegrown Initiative, of course. Uh, the club's pledged to plant 250 trees every time an academy player debuts for the first team and a number of other related projects as well. I purposely didn't ask Glenn this question because I didn't think he'd be interested, but I'm going to come to you instead. <laughs> um, look, it's obviously good to see the uh, the club recognised and uh, you know, credit to sort of Caroline Carlin, who I know is the sustainability manager there and her team and all the work that the club are doing. I'm sure you know they'll be looking to try and get higher than third, but it's a good start. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting a lot of this a lot of this sort of stuff that um, that clubs are now. I mean, it's, it, I guess it it depends on your level of cynicism as to whether you believe they're doing it because they believe it's the right thing to do or they're doing it because they believe they have to. But I mean, it's a lot of this stuff. It's kind of difficult to take all that seriously when the first team flies to Wolves away <laughs> and that kind of thing seems to kind of go against the whole ethos. I mean, you, you had that absolutely ludicrous situation, didn't you, a few years back where Arsenal flew to Norwich. And I mean, as, driving as long to as Norwich club... is a nightmare, to be fair. Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> if I could but, fly, I would. <laughs> but, it's, but, it, but, it, but it's a case of, well, okay, well, what's your, what's your priority here? Is it, a, is it an easy PR win or are you actually trying to do good for the environment? And if you are, then those are the sort of things you've got to you got to take a little bit more seriously and for me yeah all the all these initiatives are good and and people are getting involved and um like all the reusable cups and all that sort of stuff when 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 we want a beer in the concourse great that's that's fine that's that's not that's a nice easy easy win that everybody can get involved with but until the until clubs do actually take it seriously on things like transport it's it's one of those where you've kind of got to take it with a little bit of a pinch of salt I think to finish up this week then and look ahead to the next couple of games the first of those sees Saints travel up to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on uh, Wednesday evening Glenn Spurs hasn't been the happiest of hunting grounds for Saints over the past few decades just one win there since 2003 that was of course the 2-1 success under Ronald Koeman in 2016 since then it's been six defeats and six in all competitions I think uh, mm. Suns dived in most of those six to be honest with you and um, what do you make of Spurs currently and uh, can you see us changing that poor recent form uh spurs currently well they've improved obviously they were always going to with a the top level manager that they've got now he was always going to get more out of that set of players um at the end of the day it's a very expensively assembled squad of players you know all on good money they are i know they're 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 the butt of a lot of jokes but at the end of the day they're a huge club with a massive ground and they've got a top level manager they've got you know, Harry Kane's had his had his problems this season, but he's a top level centre forward. He started scoring again. So Conte's got them organised better. They're not. They're certainly, you know, not the sort of side we sh- we should fear. But it will be a very difficult game um, because they will be organised. I mean, we're going to talk about Manchester United in a minute. Manchester United, you know, aren't 
as well organised as Spurs and I think there's more of an opportunity in that game than there might be in this one but um, yeah he's brought some players in from the cold that you didn't expect to see like Matt Doherty's playing most weeks now but the worrying thing for us with this game is and you know they proved it against Brighton at the weekend is that they've they've started scoring goals and Harry Kane has started scoring goals again so it is going to be difficult but uh, yeah it is it is has been a bit of a bit of a graveyard wherever their ground has been the last um, the last four or five years but I feel like we've been we've been done a couple of times with decisions you know we had the the son won in the FA Cup um when he when he regular died over last season regular on last season and and to me that was another refereeing shocker because that looked outside the box as well and I was, I was Gineppo diving in like an idiot wasn't it but um <laughs> but yeah so we haven't helped ourselves and I feel like we've we've had a raw deal with a couple of decisions out there as well. So just got to go out there and, and give it a go. Steve, if you're Ralph, how are you setting Saints up to try and get a positive result from this game? And particularly if at time of recording, I can see a few comments about uh, the worries around Amanda Brozier might be touch and go for that game. Of course, Livermento's back, so I suppose there's going to be a discussion around Carl Walker-Peters ending up at left-back again, things like that. But how would you set them up to try and get a positive result? I think system-wise, we go the same as we did against them, um, what, a month or so ago? Because until... Salas, who got himself sent off, we were we were well on top, and we had we had the we had the beating of them. And if we can just be just be a little bit more a little bit more solid, and also a little possibly a little bit more reserved in how we go about how we go about our challenges, because we've we've seen sort of in the last six weeks or so, we've had quite a few red cards, and I mean, what what we had two in two in first halves, which I mean, if you're playing more than an hour with with 10 men against I mean against any team um it's going to be a struggle but against a, against a genuinely good team you're really up against it and I mean let's, let's be honest that Spurs that second half against Spurs we got we got away with it a little bit because combination of good defending some lucky defending and some borderline decisions if we get the borderline decisions again this time I'll be very surprised just because that's not that's the way that's the way these things go in away games against the bigger sides but it's one of those where if we can get if we can get ourselves in front then that fan base gets on gets on that team's back and it all goes very quiet very quickly so who knows I mean maybe it doesn't need Brozier to be fit maybe Shea Adams comes in 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 that role because he's he's Perfectly, perfectly adept at playing the lone, the lone striker and holding it up and bringing others into play, and also running the channels and generally being a bit of a pain in the backside. So, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see see how um, how Brozier's fitness looks like. To be honest, I'd, I'd I'd almost hold him back for for him up against Harry Maguire, which I mean, he, he would be licking his lips with that um, coming up against that fast fast cars. Just like I say about the Brozier injury, that was a dreadful tackle um, because he ran away from the guy. I can't remember which Coventry player it was, and it it was a you know professional foul basically. Just but to me, if you just tug someone back, that's okay. That's a yellow card. But if you just hack someone's ankle away, which is basically what he did, nowhere near the ball, to me that should be a red card challenge because the only yeah. way, the only thing that's going to happen there is the player's going to get injured. You know, it's not just a little tug back, you know, like Manchester City are experts at. It, it was a full, you know, he's going at full power and he's absolutely taking him out. And I, I just thought, I saw Luke Shaw did, did one earlier on this season where he, he just hack someone over and you just think why is I know it's not in a dangerous part of the pitch but why is why is that not a red card and uh, yeah. you know I, I mean I'm hearing you know I'm hearing that Brozier's not that badly injured and he does he does have a habit of limping everywhere he goes doesn't he <laughs> but uh, 
but uh, you know, hopefully it'll be okay. But that, yeah, those sort of challenges really, you know, are not on, and I'd like I'd like to see them clamp down on. No, I think that's a very fair point. And Dan, I know you don't generally like the term free hit, but do you see this game as a chance for Saints? I suppose with all the pressure on spares and the last sort of four to six weeks that we've maybe had, that Saints can go out there and play with a little bit more freedom and you know see how it goes. Yeah, undoubtedly, I think that that will be the case. That the pressure will always be on Tottenham. It's they're at home. They they did a fair bit of business on deadline day, didn't they? They got rid of a few players and brought a couple in, which I must admit, I did laugh at that. That I mean, this is no kind of uh, assault on Fabio Paratici, but I mean, he's supposed to be this brilliant director of football and he's waited until deadline day and he's gone back to his old club like cap in hand. Have you got anyone that you don't want that I can please bring to this club? Because I haven't signed anyone yet. The only reason they didn't get Aaron Ramsey was because of the Arsenal connection. Because that, yeah. that, that would have been an obvious one for them, wouldn't it? So that, that did make me chuckle. But uh, I think it's a, as Steve said, if Southampton can go there and they can get that first goal. I mean, I've been in that stadium and it doesn't take long for the fans to get on their teams back. And... You know, they, they probably haven't that I imagine the supporters probably aren't too impressed with the business. They 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 got pipped, didn't they, to Luis Diaz by Liverpool when it, it looked like he was going to go to Tottenham. So I'm sure that annoyed them a, a fair amount. And yeah, they're they're just a, they're they're a good club with a good manager, a very good manager, but they're just a bit odd. I don't quite know what to make of them. They've got as as Glenn said, Harry Kane's kind of started to find form again, but I look at him and think, should they have just sold him in the summer when they had the chance? I know it's easy to say that now, but I don't know. It's just amazing to see how far they've fallen from where they were like three or four years ago. You just think, had they backed Poch and got rid of the players that he wanted to get rid of and bring it, bought in new ones, you wonder where they'd be now. That decision looks like it's set them back years, to be honest. Well, let's get some predictions for uh, Spurs versus Saints thing. Then let's start with you. Uh, I wasn't very optimistic about this one when I was thinking about it during the week, but uh, as 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 time goes on, I've um, I've changed my tune a little bit because you've had all those spare days to think about it absolutely um i mean forget forgetting about yesterday just looking at the few guys before that we're a decent side when we get the you know the first 11 out on the pitch and we're not resting players so i, I quite fancy us to get something actually i'll go for a one-all draw one-all draw okay good stuff dan you i was going to go for a one-all draw as well you still can Feel free, mate. I am. I am. Yeah. <laughs> Good, Steve. How about you? What do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think we can get a draw, but I think realistically, there'll there'll be some moment that will screw us over, as is always the case when we go there. So two one. Is Son right. is Son fit or is he? Yes, he, play, he, he played. He played play, yeah. He played last night. So yeah, yeah he's, right. his his first game back after a month away. All right. Well, once Spurs are out of the way, Ralph and the lads will travel up to Old Trafford to take on Manchester United. Um, Dan, I've got to start with you on this one. As I mentioned earlier, I'm sure we're going to hear an awful lot this week about Ralph versus Ralph, Rangnick versus Hasenhutl. Of course, both Ralphs worked together at RB Leipzig before eventually moving to their respective Premier League jobs. Um, a buy story that, despite the midweek fixtures, is bound to get uh, plenty of coverage in the lead up to the weekend, I would have thought. Including on The Athletic, I um, <laughs> I, I well imagine. So, yeah, I, I save what I already know about about that for, for, for the piece behind a paywall. No, um, yeah, it's kind of, it's going to be, what is it, student v master and all of that. That stuff's going to be this week, isn't it? I think, I can't remember which one of the guys it was, but luckily there is a game in between. So, otherwise it'd just be non-stop. <laughs> Ralph v Ralph. I, I don't want to say too much because I've done quite a bit of digging on this one and it's going to yeah. be quite good, I think. I say it's going to be good. I mean, I would say that. We'll be the judge of that. Yeah, you'd be I mean, the, com- <laughs> the comments would be the judge of that. Yeah. <laughs> no, good stuff. And Steve, do you think the fact that they sort of both uh, know each other really, really well, 
might mean that they they potentially cancel each other out in the game almost. You know, they obviously renowned for playing this four triple two. Do you think that that might have an impact, or do you think there might be a bit of cat and mouse? He's going to do this. I'll be thinking of doing this, and sort of try and psych each other out almost. Um, no, I, I don't think it'll have any bearing on it because um, Rangnick has already tried four two 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 with with this United team, and it's failed miserably. So he's already binned <laughs> yeah. it completely. Yeah, the and yeah, he doesn't have the doesn't have the players, doesn't have the um doesn't have the attitude from the from the United players to wanna to wanna do do the work for it. So yeah, there's there's no there's no chance they're gonna be playing playing that style. They will do as they always do and they will stick Ronaldo up front and let him try and get the ball in try and get the ball into the into the box for him. But other than that, they will kind of be a bit of a bit of possibly be a bit of a blurry mess, especially through midfield. And I mean, if War Prowse and Romeo are on their game, that's a that's a battle that they can win. And if you if you're sliding sliding through balls or balls over the top for for Brozier or Adams, I mean, even Shane Long, I think would uh, would quite fancy quite fancy his go against this United defence at the moment. Then we're going to cause them problems. Um, it's just a case of whether we can get ourselves on on the front foot and get ourselves a foothold in the game. Because I mean, well, we we obviously know what happened seventy seconds into the game last last season, and basically we were trying to defend defend the six yard box from from the second minute of the game. So as long as, as long as we don't do anything completely stupid, um, <laughs> yeah, what what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> I know that's a lovely segue because I was just about to ask Glenn and say that it certainly couldn't be any worse than last year at Old Trafford. Of course, we, the Mike Dean show, Glenn, and uh, yeah, I mean yeah. that was our our fourth defeat and six in there in all competitions. I I looked it up. I think Mike Dean is refereeing Burnley against Man United on Tuesday, so there's a good chance we won't have him next weekend, which is a positive. But uh, um, as you as you said earlier, and you kind of said in the last pod, you. You see more of an opportunity for Saints to get something out of this game probably than Tottenham. So I suppose given what Middlesbrough did there on Friday evening as well, is that still very much the case? And if so, why? Yeah, I, I think so. I, well, I think whatever man, whatever manager goes in at United and it's Ranić at the moment, you've you've got problems with the fact that they're they're too overloaded with forward going players who don't want to press, who don't really want to get involved in in defending. Um, I mean, I noticed against Middlesbrough they had Pogba back in the side and they put him in a kind of deep position and surprise surprise they you know they didn't play particularly well but they did create I mean, a lot looked, of chances he looked, he looked like he was limping from like the first minute it was, it was yeah like, how it, is this guy? this guy's clearly not fit yeah they it's it's a strange setup they've got there they you know they spent two years chasing Jaden sancho he doesn't play or he very rarely plays they you know they've rashford has not looked interested at times this season um as far as we're concerned the longer that cavani is off the pitch the better because he will yep. cause us more problems than ronaldo will which sounds a ridiculous thing to say but I, I largely believe it to be true he cavani has absolutely murdered us in in games the last couple of times uh, not, not earlier on this season but both the games last year he was he was unplayable so uh, so i hope he stays off the pitch but th- their organization doesn't look that great and, and they're only organised when they get they put McTominay and Fred in the centre of midfield, who are two. At the end of the day, they they're disciplined players, but they're they're both pretty average in terms of what you'd normally expect from Manchester United. So that 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 gives us an opportunity, as Steve says, if our if our midfield is on it, you've got to get the fair shake off the referee, as we kind of um, uh, hinted that earlier on. But uh, yeah, why not go in there, believe believe you can get something uh, we played really well in the game against them at home earlier on the season which is you know banished a lot of the memories of the uh of the 9-0 walloping and uh, I think we can I think we can put that one to bed to be honest we're, we're a completely different side now we you know we seem we we don't seem to be collapsing we're not 
I mean, that that game was mad for all sorts of reasons. Go back and listen to what we said about it on on TSP. You know, you, you know the red card, the fact that we still carried on going for it, and then the Mike Dean show later on yeah. and disallowed goals and all sorts of rubbish. So uh, yeah, put put that one to bed and and get out there and uh, try and give it a good go. And it, it's another it's another crowd that won't take too much turning if things yeah. are not going particularly well. Because to me, Ranić doesn't seem any. Rangnick's United a little bit better than Ollie's United, but but not much, you yeah. know, not um, much. And I can still see them having um, having problems going forward. I remember Peachy reliving it with us. What a wonderful time that was. And us saying yeah, a perfectly good goal disallowed, wasn't it? But uh, good stuff. <laughs> let's get some uh, predictions on, on that one as well to finish up then. Um, Steve, let's start with you this time. I'm not expecting to hear a nine anywhere from you guys. <laughs> Unless it's um, for us. Not, not unless I'm speaking German. Um, <laughs> no. Nil-nil. Uh, uh, Weirdly, just got yeah, weird gut feeling. I wonder when the last time was we kept a clean sheet at Old Trafford, but uh, yeah, Dan, how about uh, you? Well, the last one of those one nil wins, I guess. Yeah. Charlie Austin's winner, yeah, yeah, one 0 one 0 again. Glenn, how about you? One nil, Saints, good. Ooh. All right, there we go, good stuff. <laughs> Well, that's it for this week's Total Saints podcast. Thank you very much to you for watching and or listening. Um, Thanks for all your comments and questions as well. Sorry if we didn't get to them. I promise it wasn't for the lack of trying and uh, was keeping my eye on them. So thank you. Thanks to Dan, Glenn and Steve for their always interesting opinions. Don't forget, you can find TSP on all the regular social media channels, Facebook and Twitter, for example. Just search for at Total Saints Pod. You can visit our YouTube page and subscribe by simply searching for Total Saints Podcast on YouTube, or you can drop us an email at totalsaintspodcast at yahoo.com. Lastly, should you wish to become a TSP patron, which helps to support the podcast's weekly production, then you can visit totalsaints.co.uk and find further details on Patreon on there. Speaking of patrons, a big shout out to our Matt Letizio tier patrons. That's Colt Baker, Ed Busy, Phil Cook and Dave Ernsberger. And also a shout out to our Francis Benali tier patrons, that's Matt Hall and Nick Reed. Otherwise, let's hope for something positive out of Spurs and or Manchester United. I think we've just about survived this pod. Martin will be back next week. Have a good week and we'll speak to you again soon. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.